Hello and welcome. This is the Bits vs. Byte podcast. I am your host, Ame Grigic, and today I have with me Kunte. He's a CEO at uh, Landahand, and uh, he's going to tell all about what they do. So welcome, uh, Kun. Well, thank you for inviting me. Uh, I love being here. Yeah, cool uh, cool to have you here as well. And uh, I would like to start off with your background. So could you tell a little bit about uh, what you do, what you did before Landahand, but also how you got to start? Landahand? Sure, sure. Uh, actually, let me take you back a little bit further. I think sure. that could also be interesting. So um, my parents uh, were born in Indonesia, uh, and I'm uh, the first generation uh, born outside of Asia. Very cool. My ancestors were from China. Um, so born in The Hague uh, and raised in Zoetermeer, uh, a small city close to uh, The Hague. And I studied econometrics um, and then I started uh, in the financial sector, I guess by default. Uh, that's what you, what you do if you... Uh, if you if you're uh, economic. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, so in hindsight, I might have done something different. I don't know, but at that time it seems logical. Uh, so I went and worked for a few banks um, and then um, noticed that... Um, for me to develop further, uh, I should go more broad uh, rather than in-depth, and I decided to do my MBA. So I applied uh, for a few programs and got enrolled at uh, UC Berkeley. Mm -hmm. uh, so I spent a few years uh, in the US uh, together with my wife, uh, awesome time. Very uh, cool, yeah. yeah. Bay Area, love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... <laughs> And uh, after that, uh, we decided we wanted to move closer to home, but not necessarily uh, to the Netherlands. So we ended up in uh, the UK, in London, mm -hmm. uh, where my wife found a job and I also found a job. Um, so for me, that meant uh, going back to banking uh, again. So um, I worked at the trading floors of uh, several investment banks. Um, and I really, really loved what I was doing. It was uh, intellectually very uh, challenging, uh, very sharp people around me. Uh, so you really have to be on top of your game. Uh, so I loved doing it. Uh, but after, uh, what was it, five, six, seven years, you come to a point where you're, you're going to reflect and think about, you know, is this something that I want to pursue and do for a longer period of time? Or... Do I want to make a switch? Mm. Um, at the same time, my family, uh, so my wife and my little daughter also, uh, they moved back to the Netherlands. Uh, so I was commuting. Uh, Monday morning, 7 a.m., I would have to plane to London. Oh, really? Yeah. And then stay there for a few days. And then on Wednesday night or Thursday night, I would then fly back to the Netherlands, visit clients. I was doing institutional sales. Um, and then on Monday morning, the whole uh, thing would start again. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I was not the only one. So that, the, the fun thing at Monday morning in the plane, all the same people doing the same thing, uh, really? having a family in the Netherlands, but working in the UK. Yeah, but it's a small, it's a, it's a relatively short flight, right? It's like it, half yeah. an hour or something like it that. It is. It's like 35 to 40 minutes. Yeah. You, you go up, you go down. Uh, and uh, actually, uh, one day my wife was uh, bringing me to the airport in Rotterdam and she had to go to her work in Amsterdam and I was at work quicker than sooner than she was so. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. of the traffic probably <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. and also the hour difference makes that you actually arrive uh, at the office at 8 a.m so yeah, that's that's, exactly. uh, that's perfectly fine 
Uh, but, you know, doing that for a few years, uh, it really uh, makes you tired. Mm. You, you feel tired the whole time. But also, uh, for me personally, I found that I was feeling that I was missing out too much, uh, you know, quality At home, time yeah. with my daughter. Yeah. You know, and I was dreaming of, you know, being able to bring my daughter to school on the bike, you know. So uh, the stuff that actually people, you know, take for granted, uh, I was really dreaming of. Mm. And that made me really decide that I should, you know, make decisions. You know, you can't have it all in life. Mm. Um, so I discussed that with my wife and I decided to quit my job. Um, but having no other job, you know, uh, available at the, at, the, uh, at that time, I just quit my job, uh, moved back. So um, ended my lease in the in the UK with my apartment. Moved back to the Netherlands, uh, and then decide, you know, and see what what I could do next. Mm. And then I was thinking, if you know, I'm turning my life upside down. You know, anyways, let's do it. You know, uh, let's go all in. <laughs> um, so I decided uh, to look around and see how can I apply my skills uh, really for the better of the, in this world. Mm. Uh, not go, you know, to work for another bank in the Netherlands, but you know, really see what makes me tick what makes me very happy uh, and i decided that i uh, that i really want to go into alternative finance um and that's because also maybe because in, in my last job i also found out that the only thing that i was doing was uh, reducing the balance sheet so mm. i was working for a large french bank and uh, my only assignment was to get rid of loans from the balance sheet because it was too costly um pretty empty i can i can imagine right it, it gives like it doesn't give you like that fulfillment of something right definitely yeah it, it was like you know wh what am i doing i'm you know cleaning up the the balance sheet so that it looks better when they <laughs> show it to the to the investors yeah uh, but I also realized that, you know, this, this is actually an opportunity here. Uh, banks f are finding it too costly to provide loans to smaller companies. Mm. Uh, and banks were uh, actually firing customers. Uh, can you imagine? Like, they're firing customers. So, but like, you're not going to be our customer Exactly. Anymore. So even Deutsche Bank, uh, so they decided to let go of all the small and medium enterprises in the Netherlands. Mm. Uh, unless they uh, had the feeling that they would get from trans transactional services or mergers and acquisitions, uh, actually generate fees. Mm. Uh, but on the loans themselves, they would not make any money and would just fire the customer. Um, crazy. Yeah, so uh, this whole disintermediation thing, uh, you know, at, at the same time, crowdfunding was starting. But crowdfunding was, you know, uh, if you look at how people perceived crowdfunding, was more like, oh, that's someone who needs a bus ticket but doesn't have the money and <laughs> you know do a crowdfunding project. So I would yeah. rather say uh, crowd investing was really uh, at uh, in uh, at the early stage. Mm -hmm. uh, but I saw the opportunity there that uh, you know this whole idea where the whole balance where the balance sheet of the bank is left out and uh, you know. Uh, left out of the equation actually makes so much sense yeah yeah, um, yeah. and then uh, I, I got uh, in you know I started talking to um, uh, Peter Heyen who was uh, developing the whole land hand ID um, and we decided to join forces uh, together with another Peter Peter Stolze and with the three of us we decided to really try and get this off the ground yeah, yeah. yeah. because what is what is it that you uh together with your with your partners what, what did you set out to provide to to the world because that's what your goal is exactly yeah so what we see is that uh, people here in the Netherlands we started in the Netherlands but we're now also active in the UK and in Belgium and in Finland but, but what we saw is that 
people are really uh, fed up with how the financial system works. So you put your money indeed on the, you know, on the, I say on the balance sheet of a bank, but of course it's, you know, on deposit. Sure. Uh, it, it, you know, you don't get any interest rate. Uh, you feel that, you know, banks may not be doing the right things with your money. Um, Investing in the wrong things, exactly, stuff like that. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And then you have all this fraud and, mm. uh, and money laundering and et cetera. And it just doesn't feel right for most people. And, sure. uh, you know, having been on the inside... You know, it's you know, it's not that you know black and white, uh, but yeah, there are, uh, it's, uh, it's mostly because of legacy systems, but also the culture of you know you have to make money, you have to reach your targets no matter what. Uh, you know, the whole financial industry is a little bit outdated, I would say, uh, and people sense that and they feel that you know they want to have you know have their money actually at work in a more meaningful way. Uh, but yeah, if you feel that then there's not much that you can do, actually, no. other than going to another bank, which is uh, Triodos or ASN, who are definitely doing it in a better way. Uh, but still, you know, the whole uh, customer experience is still not really that friendly. You know, you have to, you know, go visit the branch or do it online, and uh, but then not in a very logical way. So um, the whole idea of crowd investing, uh, where, where you can also say online investing mm-hmm. uh, where you really take you know start from scratch and really think about how should the customer journey be um, that whole concept uh, is pretty uh, is pretty new still and i think that um it it, uh, it it's for people who understand uh, how they can work with it. it it's just it just makes a lot of sense to go to a platform like Landerhand. So uh, we decided uh, to be that platform where people can actually go and in a very easy way without any frictions invest in projects and companies in emerging markets. And we decided to go for emerging markets because we feel that if you want to create impact, uh, the impact is largest uh, in countries. Well, there's just a lot of low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, all, we, we often get the question, why not the Netherlands? Uh, and it's a fair question. I think that there's a lot of stuff to do here in the Netherlands as well. But we decided to go for emerging markets because you can create lots of impact there. Yeah, and uh, they usually need the money even more than uh, someone yes. in the Netherlands, right? Exactly. They need it more. And they ex- uh, you have a lot of... Uh, there are a lot of entrepreneurs uh, in emerging markets who just are not able to get uh, funding. Uh, and that's same here in the Netherlands, as I said before, you know, people get fired as a customer, but there are people never got started as a customer because mm. they never got the chance. Uh, and we want to give them the chance. And we see a lot of entrepreneurial uh, skills and spirits, uh, you know, like there, you know, if wherever you are born, there will be entrepreneurs, you know, uh, but more, there are more entrepreneurs there that don't get the chance than here. Mm. Um, and we want to, uh, you know, provide them the funding so that they can grow their company. Uh, and in the end, what we want to achieve is that people in here in the Netherlands or in Europe can invest money in, in very well-run companies in emerging markets or projects uh, get a fair financial return, but uh, especially create social impact. And the impact then could be, in, for instance, in the jobs that are created. So we are uh, supporting uh, this entrepreneur and his company. Uh, but what, So what we really want is that this entrepreneur is able to hire people on the lower end of the, of the pyramid, sure. uh, people without any education, to actually get a job and build a resume 
Mm. Um, you know, you also have, for instance, microfinance, where we try to steer away from a little bit, uh, where the whole idea is that if you give someone, I don't know, $500, uh, that person is able to buy a cow and sell the milk. Uh, so the idea is that everybody's an entrepreneur. If you give them money, they can, you know, uh, start a business, a small yeah. business, micro business. We rather believe in the idea that there are successful entrepreneurs out there who can grow their company from five people, maybe to a hundred people. Mm. Um, and that's what people also want. They they don't necessarily want to become an entrepreneur. They just want to have a job yeah, that gives exactly. them certainty. Yeah. And that's what we try to uh, to create. Yeah, because that's that's uh, that that's hitting the nail on the head right there. Because uh, I think that a lot of, um, in, especially in those emerging markets, I think that a lot of people maybe have the ideas and maybe also have the talents to to be a good entrepreneur, but they just don't have the chance, right? Yeah. It's it's different when you're in a West European country. Uh, where you have all the, the means necessary to to become something, uh, yeah. it's it's different in those kind of markets. So, what what I was wondering about is because you have an online platform where people can register and start uh, investing, uh, how does that whole process work? So, how do you uh, become a, a customer at Landhand and also help out others? Sure. Uh, it used to be very easy. Uh, you sign up and you start uh, investing right away. <laughs> um, that was before the license. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. So we decided uh, to become regulated by the AFM, the Dutch Financial Regulator, uh, because we feel that it forces, uh, you know, as a startup, uh, you're, you know, you're not opportunity constrained, right? Uh, so you can chase opportunities. And uh, before you know it, uh, you don't have your, uh, your structure in place. And we felt that we should should force ourselves to do so, uh, and we decided to go uh, for the for the license as an investment firm, which is really uh, you know it's a, it's a heavy license uh, if you will. Yeah. Uh, it's the same license that ING, Rubico, you know, all the big asset managers have, um, but we really wanted to do that to show that we are serious about this mm. this business. Uh, but that also, what, what we didn't realize was that how it would mess up the whole customer journey. <laughs> <laughs> so now you sign up, uh, and I think the th threshold is uh, 250 euros. If, if it's below 250 euros, it's actually still easy. You do have to um, uh, provide a copy. Uh, so some kind of data, uh, but not that much. Mm. But now, if you want to do, if you want to do more than two hundred fifty euros, and most of our investors do, you actually have to uh, upload uh, a copy of your passport. Uh, you have to show uh, the uh, proof of uh, of address. Um, and if if you get if you do even more than a certain amount, you also have to at one point you actually have to show a source of wealth. Mm. Meaning that you have to show us, like you know, your salary, or that you come from a rich family, or whatever. So, but how you can actually afford this? Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, 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 because uh, I can imagine that uh, providing all those kind of things, it it makes it uh, as as you said, it makes it harder for for people. But how does that work? So, how does that work in your company? So, you, do you need to check those things yep. that they actually provide? Definitely. Yeah, that's mm. uh, that's uh, our responsibility. Uh, so we have outsourced that, uh, mm -hmm. but we are still responsible. So we have to do checks and uh, so uh, anti-money laundering is very important uh, counter-terrorism financing is very important sure yeah. then uh, came GDPR uh, so yeah it's like <laughs> that you know, doesn't help <laughs> no, we get curveballs it's good but 
Ja, we get curve was thrown at us, uh, you know, every uh, every few months. Mm. Um, but it's it's okay. Uh, we understand what the regulator is doing. We understand where they come from. Sometimes we feel it's a little bit overregulated, and yeah. we also uh, you know let them know. Uh, and also, I think the regulator understands that. You know, the, if you look at the regulations that. Um, it's called uh, the, the the VFT, the Wet Financiële Toezichtskader. Yeah. So it's uh, it's the same regulation framework uh, that has been in place for you know decades, and that uh, Robico and G have to adhere to. Mm. And then a small company like Lennon as well. Yeah. So it, it just doesn't make sense. It, we don't fit in there, and. Uh, the regulators understand that and they're trying to be very open about it and see if they should uh, modify the regulations. In the meantime, uh, that's really difficult. So we do have to adhere to standards that don't, don't really That are really strict us. for something. Uh, exactly, exactly. Uh, so that's, it's really big, tough. Yeah. yeah. But um, so, but back to your question. So so suppose uh, you're able to uh, to provide the data uh, and you have sign, signed up. Then actually from there, it's very, e- it's very easy. You can uh, go to our web, you, on our website, you have a few projects that you can see are going live anytime soon within the next 48 hours. You can have a look at it. We provide all the data. Um, it's really about investing. This is not donating. This is really about investing in companies that are well run, that have a high quality management uh, and that are willing to pay an interest rate on the money in order for them to grow the business. Mm, okay. um, so uh, we allow people to invest, but it also means that you have to provide the right data. So we provide uh, an information document where you can see how have they have they been performing, uh, management, what is their experience and their background. Uh, we do some kind of uh, metric analysis and we really want to make sure that uh, the people uh, can make an informed decision. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you, what you see is that some people don't care uh, and some <laughs> people do care and then they, they go uh, through the information and they have a look at it and then uh, decide either to invest or not. Uh, some uh, people well actually most people uh, take another approach and what they say is well uh, crowdfunding or crowd investing is about being able to also spread over a lot of well say you can spread over five uh, platforms yep. and within each platform you can spread over a few projects and if you do that with you know amounts of 50 100 euros uh, before you know it you have invested in say hundreds of uh, of companies uh, it's crazy yeah yeah exactly and then you don't really have to do that in-depth research because it's only 50 euros well it can still be a lot of money, of course, for for, for, for people, someone. But, yeah, yeah, but you can you can ex- but you're able to spread over uh, various uh, companies uh, globally. Um, so, on our platform, you can spread over companies that are active in countries like Ghana, Philippines, Indonesia. But you also have platforms where you can spread over, you know, Dutch uh, SMEs. Hmm. And uh, if you do that, then you don't necessarily have to go through all the information. You just you know. Take a good, you know, take a glance and see if you think, uh, you know, for you this is an investment you want to, you know, put fifty euros in, yeah. and then you do it, and that's I think the beauty of, um, uh, and then what you see is then it's power to the crowd. Uh, if a lot of people do that, they take a glance at it and they decide to do a very small amount, then you see that the projects that make sense actually will get funded, and the projects that don't make sense don't get funded. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense as well. <laughs> if you yeah. if you put it like that, what what I was wondering about is that. So how does that work for the other? Uh, I am calling the other side, but the 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 entrepreneurs on the other side. So how do they? 
uh, how do you get that return on investment? Do they like have to pay it back, or how, how does that work? Yeah, so it's uh, it's definitely uh, a loan, uh, yes. and we do up to four years. Uh, you get uh, each six months they have to repay, uh, including an interest rate. This interest rate is, I would say, just below uh, their average cost of funding. So we try to give them uh, an interest rate that's really sharp so that they can go to other other lenders and say, hey, listen, I can actually get a lower loan here. What up, you know? Yeah, yeah. better <laughs> so than that, in a uh, bank or whatever. Exactly, exactly. So that they can actually try and get a lower interest rates elsewhere as well. Um, but it's a loan and they have to repay. And if they don't repay, we, we will try and get uh, the money back. Hmm. Because if we don't start doing that and uh, and companies start to realize that, hey, you know, you don't have to repay, then the whole model bre- breaks down. Of so, course. Yeah. Uh, and we have two cli- clients on both sides, right? We have clients who are the, the, the companies, but we also have clients who are the investors. Yeah. And for investors, it's really important that they get their money back with uh, an interest rate. And of course, it doesn't always work out like that. We have companies that will fit uh, eventually uh, that's hap- that's that happens with investing right exactly it, it happens with all kinds of investment if you invest in crypto coins you can also <laughs> lose <laughs> you your can, money yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> that, that's the thing so uh, but uh, for the for the entrepreneurs because the, uh, I understand they have to like repay uh, the the people that uh, that invested in them so um, you said there's a period so there's a period that they need to uh, pay the money back what was the period again uh, each six months they okay. pay back, yeah, and yeah, they can they do have it to up pay, to four years. Yeah, so they have to pay uh, a percentage of that, right? Yeah. So how do you how do you make money as a platform then? Because is that kind of percentage of the loan or whatever? It is, yeah. So uh, we charge a success fee for each successful loan that's been funded. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get a certain uh, percentage. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah, that that that's that seems fair. I mean, <laughs> you're yeah. providing the whole platform to connect those uh, those exactly. yeah. people to those projects because. I think that's the most. I, th- I think a lot of people would do this if they actually had the the way to connect these kind of to these kind of product, projects, right? Yeah. Because a lot of uh, you know in in the Netherlands, a lot of people uh, actually donate to NGOs. It's a donation. It's different. I know, yeah. but uh, it, they do that to an NGO, but they maybe not see the the actual result. And you see it, the actual result if you do it like this, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, and we try to all uh, you know the storytelling part of it is also very important. We want to uh, show people not only did you get you know uh, an, an interest rate, but this is also the impact that you have created. Sure. And that's that's very important for uh, our investors to know. Um, so yeah, it's really the combination of the financial and the social return that makes it very appealing to them. So the financial return, to be honest. If you would be, a f- you know, a f- pure financial or financially or- orientated uh, investor, you would not go to our platform. No, because it's uh, it's mostly small amounts that you. Uh, small amounts is too risky. You don't, you know. I mean, probably the right pricing of it would be uh, a few percentage point higher. I would say, uh, but if you then take into account what your money is working on then suddenly it starts to make sense hmm. so it's really the combination of it and it's uh, but what we see is that you know people in the end they don't care only about financial returns no they really no. want to see uh their money well they want to see the money being used for the greater good and indeed what you're what you're what you were saying like the people want to have control over that 
Mm. They want to see where their money is used. And that's yeah. very important. Yeah, and that's what uh, sometimes uh, you miss when you donate to an NGO, I think. Uh, that's that's yeah. correct. Yeah. Um, so how do you, because you provide, of course, the platform, but how do you, in what other ways do you kind of help those kind of entrepreneurs on the other side? Do you help them or how does that work? Yes, uh, we try to. So we also have uh, the Land Hand Foundation. Uh, this is a separate entity from the Land Hand Corporation Corporation. Um, uh, and the idea is that uh, so we're not profit making yet, uh, but as soon as we're profitable, uh, we want to donate uh, a certain percentage of it to the foundation. In the meantime, the foundation uh, gets uh, subsidies from uh, Triodos Foundation, ASN Foundation and a few others. Sure, yeah. And uh, what the foundation does is they provide training sessions. So we really believe in a combination of providing funding and training. And I can give you an example. Uh, so uh, in Ghana, we have uh, a local partner there that we uh, work together with. And uh, through that local partner, we finance entrepreneurs in Ghana. So we went there and you, know, you, you go and visit those entrepreneurs. Uh, and we um, uh, one day we, uh, we visited uh, a company that was making those you know, that bricks, basically, mm-hmm. to build houses. And you start, you know, talking to uh, to the to the founder, to the you know, to the director, and you're asking like simple questions like, so uh, I see a few different stones. You know, what's your margin on you know the brown stone versus the white stone? And he would not be able to tell you that. You know, he's like, uh, I, I don't, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> yeah, so it's a different process of making these white stones versus the you know the brown stones. But I don't know how much more it costs actually. And I do charge two cents more, but I don't know if it actually covers the cost, <laughs> you know. And still, it's an actually profitable business. And this is you know going back to low hanging fruit. If uh, this entrepreneur gets training in very basic bookkeeping and actually in cost accounting, he can actually understand whether you know he should maybe not making those right bricks at all, you know, and go only for the brown ones and actually make a higher margin. And um, there's, so there's a lot of uh, things that people can actually improve upon. Yeah. But, well, they are already making a good business. Mm. So that's really awesome. You can actually improve that. And that's what the foundation wants. So the foundation, uh, you know, we're not, you know, flying in experts, telling them what they should do. Uh, we try to find locals there who actually know the, and understand the market and have them explain to those entrepreneurs how they can actually improve their business. Very good. Yeah. So they, they actually provide the trainings, for example, yeah. uh, to, because uh, as you said, th- these are kind of the most basic things, but I can imagine that this is one of the challenges of those emerging markets, right? Yeah. Uh, that they, um, yeah, that they, they need to know how to price things, of course, but also uh, just calculating cost and everything like that. But what are, what are some of the other challenges you've seen that uh, that face these kind of emerging markets that you uh, you provide as well. Well, a, a very uh, big risk overhang always in those countries is the currency, mm. uh, and that's really something that we need to solve. So also at lend a hand, right now if you invest, you're actually investing euros, uh, you're lending out euros to those uh, entrepreneurs sure. or to the local partners that we use to finance those uh, entrepreneurs. And for those companies, uh, their income is in Kenyan shilling or Indonesian rupiah. Uh, and then you know, they have to use those earnings to pay back the loan. Mm. But if in the meantime, uh, their currency has weakened versus the euro, suddenly they find that you know they have to maybe put up twice as much of their local currency in order to pay off the loan. 
this is a huge risk. So right now, uh, this risk is borne by the uh, by the uh, borrowers, and we 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 are urgently uh, trying to seek a solution for that. That's uh, a hard one, actually, because yeah. you you don't have any any control over that right it could be just that it drops and that's it yeah it's uh, it's a macroeconomic factors but also politically uh influences uh so of course you could say well you know the investors can take the risk so instead of uh, lending euros they can actually land in local currency but what you see is that most people are afraid of that and i can understand like uh, as I said, you can you know you can seek your you can choose your own projects and you know you can see oh this is with a good management team I'm gonna do fifty euros, but people probably don't have any vision about you know the Canadian shilling. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't know. Even I I would have a hard time you know figuring out yeah. what, what where I think the Canadian shilling will go to. I'm yeah. not looking at that every day. Uh, to no, see. exactly, exactly. <laughs> to yeah. see how that's going. Yeah. <laughs> so then. Um, People say, you know, that's too difficult for me. Sure. And of course, I get a higher interest rate uh, if I do it in conditioning, but I don't understand, uh, I back out. Uh, but you do have uh, companies out there that actually provide hatching services. So they are the ones that can actually say, you know what, give me that risk. I'm able to warehouse it and eventually offload it to the market. Mm. And they then go to banks and, you know, do swaps and, you know, try to hedge themselves again. Uh, but those, uh, and we are, uh, we have discussions with those companies if they can actually provide those hedging services to our investors. Uh, but then you uh, again bump into regulation constraints. <laughs> so yeah, it all boils down <laughs> to the same thing here. <laughs> As a fintech, uh, that's I, I guess that's that's the part fact of, of life. It's part of part of life, and you have to deal with it. Uh, but again, you know, so now we're talking to the AFM about it, and they are open for it. So yeah, hopefully we get uh, the approval. Yeah, because that's something that I've noticed when I uh, had a, a previous podcast with uh, Bank as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had the same problem, or. Pretty much the same problem. They were also one of the newer banks uh, that are doing it totally digital, and every regulation was like, okay, we're not really, really equipped to do to deal with that, right? Yeah. They didn't. They didn't think about. Of course, they didn't think about it back then when they put up the regulations that there will be platforms like this, yeah. like uh, like Land Hand, but also uh, Bank, yeah. right? That, that's that's something that I've I've noticed is happening a lot in that financial sector is that it has to kind of get up to speed to the whole online part, right? Yeah, uh, that's something that I've that I've noticed. I don't know if you you feel like that as well, but I think that's a big big thing. Yeah, uh, and um, so going back to a little bit of other challenges as well. So you started this. Uh, how many years ago was this? Uh, Twenty fourteen. Yeah, so it's uh, about five years yeah. now. Um, so what are some of the challenges that you had uh, also apart from the license of course because that took uh, two and a half years we talked yeah. a little bit before yeah. the before the podcast but what are some of the other challenges that you that you've seen uh, pop up in the last few years actually uh, for us Lemnet specifically you yeah, sure, yeah yeah so funding uh, is really hard so we are um, a social enterprise Um it's easier to go out to venture capital funds and uh, angel investors. Well, angel investors actually do have a different mindset, but the more commercially orientated investors, if you tell them, like, you know what, we have, ex- we are driven by a social mission, but we really believe that if you do that, you can actually create economic value. That concept is really hard to explain. Yeah, they just want to see a return on investment. Exactly, exactly. And you know that return on investment can come later. Uh, you know, so but if 
there seems to be, you know, like there are two rule books, you know, one for commercial ones and one for social enterprises. If you're a commercial entity and you say, you're not, I'm not going to make any revenues in the next five years, but I'm going to grow like crazy, like Uber or Facebook, whatever. They're like, whoa, well, go for it. And here's five, <laughs> here's five million euros. Yeah. If you say, I'm, we're a social enterprise, you know, we have a social mission, but we're going to create economic value. They're like, yeah, show me first. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, sure. you know, you have to, you, have, you actually have to prove your concept first uh, rather than, you know, and, but, and, and commercial entities don't have to do that. They have, they have to have a big ID. Uh, so getting financing in place is really, really hard to do. Uh, but we've managed so far. Uh, but yeah, it's not easy. So mm. that's you know, you're if you're if you're a social enterprise, it's you know you're one nail behind already. You know. Yeah. yeah. So. And you you needed to kind of think of this whole uh, platform by yourself as well, right? I mean, uh, there are some platforms uh, uh, that of course do some crowdfunding, but it's mostly geared toward a product or something that needs to be yeah. created, right? So uh, was that also something that uh, that you feel was a, a challenge as well? Yeah, definitely. That, yeah. Thinking of how this whole construction should go? Yeah, definitely. So the, you always have this whole network effect that if it works uh, in your favor, then it's really awesome. But <laughs> if you know, if you start, it's really daunting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so where do you start first? So uh, so we started to f- to find really good companies in emerging markets. But then you go there and say, you know, we're going to start a crowdfunding platform and then people are going to invest in you. And like, yeah, so how many investors do you you have right now uh, yeah n- none <laughs> they're like <laughs> they yeah still co- have to come <laughs> exactly so come back when you have you know a few a few hundred few thousand of those investors and then if you go to inf- you know investors say yeah we're going to build a crowdfunding platform where you will invest in really nice companies in emerging markets they say yeah, where, so where are they well we have to still find them you know yeah, so yeah, yeah, you have yeah. this whole chicken and neck problem yeah exactly yeah so uh, and then you have to um, you have to be lucky you have to get a break yeah. And we got that. We got a break by finding uh, eventually a good uh, company um, where we could start. Uh, they, they said, you know what? I really believe in this concept and let's do it. And then, of course, on the other that's side. That's important. That's really important. And you have to have that break. So every startup deals with it. I mean, you can have the best people in place and the best structure, whatever. In the end, you need a break. And we got that break. And then you go uh, on the investor side, you go to your, you know, friends, family and fools (laughs) uh, who always believe in you and they start investing. And then uh, the network effect is going to to work for you. And you see that people are actually referring and um, we get, you know, we get high grades actually from, you know, we have the feedback company, you know, on our (laughs) our website. Uh, And uh, we, I think we score a 9.0 there. So really high. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's really hard for people to refer uh, financial products to to friends because you know the the, the probability of losing your money is always there. Uh, but people tell you know about you know this this is a whole new concept where you can invest in really cool companies and you know the ball starts rolling. Uh, but yeah, before you get there, it's you know it's really hard to actually get uh, get the first. Yeah, few so it's it's the f- it's like uh, most startups, right? Uh, yeah. The first few years are kind of make or break, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. tropical y- years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I th- I think that there was a lot of headaches in those exactly, years. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So and it, and it still is, and then maybe another yeah. challenge uh, also as a you know specifically as a social enterprise is to get talent on board. Sure. Uh, as a startup. Uh, so, but it also relates to the first problem of getting funding in place. We were not able to pay uh, good salaries. Uh, some startups actually are able to pay good salaries because they're well funded. Uh, for sure. us, that was not the case. Uh, so, but at the same time, you also don't want to compromise. You only want to hire the best 
people available yeah, in the market. Hard. Yeah, yeah. But we so 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 there we were uh, trying to get the best people uh, in the market, uh, attract them uh, with little salaries. So of course uh, you you know you can give them options, um, which you know. You know, aligns them with the company and gives them a, you know a little yeah. kicker in the future, uh, but still it's really hard. And then it's really about selling your company to those uh, kind of people. Uh, but there also we were lucky in the sense of timing. Uh, if we would have started lend a hand, say, well, 15 years ago when I started uh, entering the the market. We probably wouldn't have been able to start it uh, and attract the right talent because at that time the mindset of the graduates is is different than it is right now. Sure. Yeah. And right now you have you know young people. So for me, you know, people quite often ask me like, so how did you you know come about and make that switch? You know, from you know an investment banking career to you know try and work for a social enterprise. Uh, and I, you know, I give my story and people say, wow, that's awesome. But what I really admire is the people who decided from the get-go, you know what, I want to work for a company where, you know, the social it's driven by social mission, where I can create impact, where I can add value to the world, uh, and, you know, I'm going to make less money. That's that's perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah because that's that's the, the age-old thing that we also have. I mean, we're a small company as well. Uh, but it is, it is really hard to... Uh, attract talent is not the, the the point here it's actually the, the amount you're going to pay them to to yeah. to have them on exactly. board right yeah. uh, especially when it's a, a, a when it's a social kind of thing then you really need to uh, be involved in the mission and also believe in that yeah. that c- kind of concept that it will work right yeah, that's exactly. the, that's the biggest thing so uh, what do you see kind of as a future or as a dream that you uh, would like to to have with the, this whole project that you have going on this whole company yeah um <laughs> that's a tough question it's yes, really tough question <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm i'm all up for the co- <laughs> tough questions here <laughs> yeah but it's a good question and um so the way we see us ourselves going forward and in the industry is so first of all uh this whole idea of uh people deciding where they want to put the money to use uh, is going to stay sure this is not going away um then the question will be like how how is the whole industry going to pan out? And what you uh, what you saw uh, a few years ago, there were like hundreds of platforms, and what you see right now is that lots of them have you know have gone yeah. and consolidated, and that's also because of the regulations. Uh, so you see a consolidation here, um, and there will be a few uh, winners. And we think with our niche product, we you know, we don't see much competition. We also feel that we're so far ahead of it of others uh, you know i mean this whole regulation thing is actually a blessing and a curse <laughs> uh, and the blessing also being you know to be honest that it uh, throws a lot of barriers to entry for others you know if someone decides hey i'm gonna you know what Lenhead does we can do it much better i'm gonna do this uh, that person should come to us and we will tell you know so this is what you have to do in terms of regulations compliance and governance uh, it's gonna take you two and a half years exactly <laughs> the person will run away screaming um so we feel that we found our our place in the market and we we will be able to build it out uh, but what you will see is that there will be consolidation and that's not only uh, nationally that will be internationally uh, you will find a few large players uh, active in in Europe uh, in US in Asia um, and we hopefully are going to be one of those and these companies should really uh, reinvent themselves so 
this online investing, these online investing platforms have uh, innovated the market, I w- maybe even disrupted the market. And you have, you know, all these banks looking at those companies, saying, hey, w- what are they doing? And should we not do the same thing? And, you know, they're sure, yeah. kind of getting into defense mode and then eventually they will go into attack mode, of course, and perhaps try to take over those companies. But at the same time, you can also argue that it will not be, you know, so what, what is the end game? Will it be the banks actually taking over these companies and then, you know, business as usual? Or will it, for instance, be, I don't know, Facebook asset management, you know? Hmm. Why not, you know, invest through the Facebook platform, to, you know, in entrepreneurs in India or Indonesia? Uh, you know, so we don't know where, what exactly the end game will be, but uh, you have, we, we, I think that it, it will be different players that hmm. are going to emerge uh, from this. And it could also be uh, combinations of, you know, uh, technology companies and and financial uh, in uh, sector players um but what but the winners for sure will be the ones that are able to make this process as frictionless as possible and ultimately also as you know the uh make it peer to peer as much as possible and by that i mean uh, and you can think of blockchain and uh, biometric identification all these kind of technolo- technologies that are emerging right now um you can actually you should be able and then also the whole currency thing sure yeah that, play, that, of course, that's you know? the thing there yeah. but for instance if i am able to invest in a farmer in kenya who needs a tractor you know uh, for and needs ten thousand us dollars in kenyan shilling and i'm able to provide uh say ten thousand shilling of that or a hundred thousand shilling on my app uh, and provide it and he will get it real time right away and it's stored on the blockchain and I can, can and he can only use and it will be uh, converted into tokens and he can only use the tokens to indeed buy that tractor and mm. not do something else with it yeah uh, and that farmer has been identified using biometric identification tools but also maybe uh, and his credit worthiness has been uh, assessed by uh, uh, psychometric models you know all this kind of technology that's now emerging um, and then he or she can start paying off whenever they want uh, but on time uh, but sooner if they are able to actually grow the business sure. for, yeah. faster than they thought then uh, those kind of players who are able to deliver on that uh, are going to be the winners. Yeah, yeah, because it's it, all these kind of technologies make it um, make it more transparent, of course, because yep. you need you can if it if it's blockchain related, then you could probably see it just on a yep. public kind of a, a network or whatever. Um, so that that that's that's interesting to me. That's that uh, these kind of things are going to help uh, investors actually see that real impact right exactly that's, that's the the whole idea behind it exactly and what uh, what do you feel like is the dream what is the dream for you for you as a platform as well for us as a platform uh actually the dream is to uh, be uh, redundant and close our doors <laughs> yeah <laughs> that so, sounds good <laughs> yeah no definitely and um you know we've started lend a hand and everybody working at lend a hand is working for lend hand because we feel that we are not uh, idealist we are realists we really think that you know with the money flows the capital markets that are out there that we are solving uh, problems that are actually solvable 
Um, I don't know if you heard about the SDGs, the social, no. uh, yes, the Sustainable Development Goals. Um, uh, so by 2030, uh, there are 17 goals that should actually be reached in order for us to make the world a better place. Hmm. Um, Those are things that you kind of made up, or uh, no? There's the UN, the United oh, Nations. Oh, so the United Nations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, but there's a huge shortfall of. Uh, from the top of my head, it's like five trillion <laughs> uh, per year uh, that is needed. Actually, that's needed in addition to whatever is invested right now in those SDGs hmm. in order to achieve those goals. Uh, so one of the goals, for instance, so goal number one is actually uh, no poverty. Hmm. Uh, uh, no goal number two is no hunger, and uh, goal number seven, for instance, is ac- uh, all people should have access to el- to energy in a clean and affordable way. Hmm. Uh, and these are goals that really uh, set us on fire. We really are inspired by those goals. And we really think that these are solvable if the, we are able um, to, uh, you know, so you have this whole donation market indeed, uh, which is very good to have. You know, we, we need donations in order to build, uh, you know, get, get water to people and, sure. you know. Yeah. But in the end, if you really want to solve those really big problems, you need the capital markets for it. Uh, and I'm a capitalist. I really believe that you know I, I, there are lots of things that are wrong with the cap- capital system, uh, but there are also a lot of things that are right with the system. Sure. We n- just need to change direction. We need to change direction, and we need to do it together with you know all of us. Mm. Uh, but if we uh, you also see, you know, with the students, uh, the, the high school students who are protesting, uh, you know, for a better measure yeah. again, you know, yeah, for, for the climate the environment, change. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, you see this whole shift going on already, but now we you also need to give people the tools to actually act on it. Yeah. And yeah. we want to provide one of those tools, and we believe that we are, if we are able to do this, and not only us, but many many others as well we can actually reach those goals and make sure that we, you know, maybe uh, the kids who are born right now are going to be the last generation who actually are uh, experiencing uh, poverty. Mm. Maybe poverty will be something that will be part of the history books. It should be doable. It should be, um, you know, it's not too far away to think that, you know, those 600 million people in Africa who don't have access to electricity do get access to electricity in a clean way, right? So without any carbon... uh, and emissions um so that's definitely something that that is doable and we really want to be uh, one of the tools to for people to act on this and make sure that uh, those goals are reached very cool because that, that that's that uh, what i've what i've noticed is that um the real difference here is kind of the, the short lines right because you don't really have like a lot of layers that go that you have to go through to see that investment come to the actual person that needs the investment right yeah that's the the big the big difference to other uh, kind of ways to to invest in these kind of emerging yeah. markets and also uh, what you said is is true i mean it's good to say to someone okay yeah let's uh, let's have some uh, clean energy here but when they don't have the money to invest in the the tools to have that clean energy, then exactly. it doesn't work. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> that's exactly. the thing. So I want to uh, st- start and wrap up. Uh, I have one more question. The the last question I always ask: okay. <laughs> What are you most proud of? Um, what I'm most proud of, uh, well, definitely is the team. Yeah. Uh, as I said, you know, these are uh, people who decided to quit their jobs or start right out of college and work for a company like Lenderhand. 
because they believe in, in, in the mission. Uh, and we always say, you know, we're a bunch of like-minded idiots <laughs> 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 trying to, you know, and, and having this dream of actually being able to, um, you know, to uh, reduce poverty to zero and to get people get access to electricity in a clean way. Um, you know, it's, you know, as a team, we are actually, you know, we are a high-performing team, but we're also making a lot of fun along, you know, along the way. Uh, it's really awesome to, you know, uh, sometimes I just, you know, if I look around me, you know, at the office, yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of uh, what, as, as a company, what we have achieved by being able to bring this kind of talent together and work on a mission. So yeah. that's definitely uh, what I'm uh, very proud of. Very cool. And I would like to end it on that because I think that's a good send-off. Um, so how can people find you on the internet? It's uh, lendahand.com. Sure. Okay. Uh, I will uh, put it in the show notes as well, cool. of course. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for your story. I think it's uh, very inspiring to hear this, uh, this kind of things. Thank you. Um, for the listeners, of course, you can uh, find the Bits vs. Byte podcast on uh, bitsvsbytes.com and also on all uh, social media. It's all Bits vs. Bytes, so on Twitter, uh, Instagram, and also on LinkedIn. And uh, you can find us all, all on the uh, major podcasting platforms, so Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud. I think I have everyone. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's it for now, and uh, I would like to thank you for listening, and until next time. <laughs>